following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It is it is more important to me to be well-pleasing to God than any other single issue in my life or in my heart. I desire to be on good terms with all men and all women. But I desire above all else to be well-pleasing to God. It is the central thought of my heart. As I sleep, I awaken in the watches of the night. And my heart cries that I could be well-pleasing to God. I review the day before. I look forward to the coming day. I examine my heart before God and say, O God, Lord Jesus, the cry of my heart is to be well-pleasing to you. There was a time in my life when I tried to please people, when I tried to keep everyone happy who was around me. I no longer can do that. I can't keep people happy and be well-pleasing to Jesus because they want different things. What people want conflicts with what God wants. I want, for the Lord God of heaven, I want Jesus to look at me and say, I am well-pleased with that man. I spoke with a faithful follower of Jesus, just this morning. And he expressed to me the depth of his heart that he is called to be a warrior for Jesus Christ, that every power of the enemy is coming against him in the arena of finance in the arena of health, in the arena of every area, the powerful forces of darkness are pressing hard upon him. And all he knows to do is to stand dressed in the armor of God and be a warrior and say, I will be pleasing to Almighty God. I will not compromise with darkness. I will not please my own spirit. I will not walk in ways that are dishonest, that lack integrity. I will do what Jesus has called me to do. And he said to me, it's not a soft job to follow Jesus. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Because when you set your heart on following Jesus, every power of darkness comes against you to destroy you. And he said, 
this is so against all the modern teaching of the church where everything is soft and comfortable and and easy. To be a true Christian in America today is to be a warrior who stands at the wall against the degrading, vile darkness that is flooding into this nation that wants to come into our own soul and cause us bitterness and anger. It takes a Christian man or woman who is willing to be a warrior to stand in the armor of God and not give ground while your whole economic base is ripped to shreds and you lose everything you own. When every force of the enemy is coming against you to destroy you, it takes a man or a woman who is willing to not be sentimental, who is willing not to be filled with pride or arrogance, who is willing to simply say, I choose to be pleasing to Almighty God, regardless of what this wicked society will try to tell me, and regardless of what my heart will tell me. The survival of our own life is something we will desperately scrabble and fight for. But as a Christian... I willingly lay it down for Jesus Christ, and I humble my heart. And I say no. I will receive only from the hand of Jesus what he chooses to give to me. I will not fight with bitterness and anger and resentment. I will not bite the person who hurts me. I will not bite the person who disagrees with me. I will not defend by putting down and cutting the ground from under that other person. I would rather die than bite another person. It takes a tough person in the spirit realm to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus no matter what happens. Because every wicked and vile emotion, every wicked and vile word, every wicked and vile image will come into our minds. And the devil will say, see, you've already lost. No, I haven't. In the name of Jesus, that's not me. I don't agree with that. I agree with Jesus, and I will walk in peace in Jesus Christ, no matter what the accusations are. Today, I'm going to walk you through some very exciting passages of Scripture. These Scriptures will only be exciting if you are one who has or are in the process of making the decision to be pleasing to Almighty God, even at the cost of your own comfort. For you will not be able to maintain your comfort 
and be faithful to Jesus Christ. The devil will make certain of that. In the scriptures, we find in the fifth chapter of Genesis, a man by the name of Enoch. When he had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Methuselah lived longer than any other man in the history of the world. He died at the oldest age. After Enoch became the father of Methuselah, the scriptures say Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. Now, what was it like when Enoch was walking with God? When we look in the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, Verse 3, the Lord saw how great men's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. His heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals, creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. This word corrupt in the Hebrew means literally a bowl of fruit that has rotted, moldy, fruit flies, nothing fit to eat. This is the description of the earth before it was destroyed by water. It was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people had corrupted their ways. Now, it's in the midst of this corruption that Enoch is living Now, we know from the book of Enoch, which is a non-canonical book, we don't know if any of it was actually written by Enoch. We do know, however, that Jude and others in the time of Christ held the book of Enoch in very high regard. In fact, the book of Enoch is quoted in portions in the book of Jude. In the New Testament. What we do know is that in the book of Enoch, there are descriptions of what was happening. And we find some of those references in the scripture to the Nephilim. The Nephilim, according to scripture, when the sons of God 
mated with the daughters of men. And there is much disagreement over what that means. Let me simply read it for you, and I'll go only as far as Scripture goes. It says, The Nephilim the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. This is chapter 6 of Genesis, verse 4. And also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Now, the book of Enoch tells us that these were evil angels who mated with the daughters of men and produced giants, physical giants. We know that there were giants on the land after the flood. We find that spoken of when the children of Israel are entering Cana land. Goliath was one of those Nephilim descendants. We find that men were utterly corrupt. As I read in Genesis, the sixth chapter, it's very clear that this description could likewise be given for what's happening in the world today. That once more, men are utterly given over to darkness, to violence. We have a death culture. Simply look at the Harry Potter books and the lust for death. There is no redeeming value in these books. They are utter darkness. Some of you easily allow your children to read them, to feast on them, and then you're going to wonder why your children are little demons. And why as they mature and grow, they have a love for darkness. You fed them darkness. It's very clear in our culture today, the same thing is happening that has happened in every century when a great empire has collapsed. If you go back and do your research, you will discover that every great empire just prior to its collapse was focused in homosexuality, lesbianism, and free sex. When you read Romans, the first chapter, the Apostle Paul tells us that this lust for transgenderism and for homosexuality, for lesbianism, the Apostle Paul tells us that this is a cultural sign that God is about to totally turn over that empire and destroy it. We are now receiving those signs in Western culture. 
We are receiving those signs in America. And today, if you speak against those signs and you disagree with homosexuality and lesbianism, you are considered homophobic. Well, I'm a a sin-phobic. I'm a darkness-phobic. I'm a violence-phobic. I'm an uncleanness-phobic. I want what is of light, not what is of darkness. The cry of my heart is not to judge a brother or a sister, a man or a woman. My cry is that you would come out of whatever darkness you're walking in. Homosexuality is simply a sin disorder like stealing or murdering or pride or arrogance or fornication or adultery. It is simply sin. What makes it so exceptional is that it is singled out as the sign, the final sign of God preparing to destroy the entire culture and hand it over to complete destruction. And that's what's happening. The red flashing light, warning of God's judgment. The klaxon is sounding. The sirens are wailing. Life as we know it in America is about to end. There are things happening today that are astonishing. I just this morning was texting with a dear brother. I thought I had my phone close by, but I don't. I was texting with a brother who was sharing with me. He's a financial guru. He was sharing with me how big oil, in cooperation with the elite powers, with the major banks, Bank of America, Morgan Chase, naming the big banks, how they have forced every coal company into bankruptcy and how they now, these large banking concerns, these cartels now own the coal mines. He shared with me how they've also bought up all of the mom and pop operations that used to control the natural gas in America, but now these are owned by the big banks. He shared with me how gas has gone from $2 to $2.80, natural gas. He shared with me that very soon there is going to be a doubling and tripling of the cost of your gas, of your electricity for the heating and the cooling of your home. Look at your bill this month for air conditioning and multiply it by three. My air conditioning bill this last month was just over $200. 
What am I going to do when that air conditioning bill is $800 or $1,000? I can tell you, I'll have to turn the air conditioning off. Many of you will be in the same place. You will not be able to afford your air conditioning. You will not be able to afford your heating for the house. What are you going to do then? Already the pieces are all in place to make this a reality in America. It is now unstoppable. President Obama, with his ruling masters, have taken action. And I remember President Obama said at the beginning of his term of office that he was going to close the coal companies, that he was going to cause our energy bills to triple. Well, now he's doing that. What do you suppose is going to happen in America when the bills for heating and cooling triple? And we cannot afford to either air condition our homes or heat our homes. These things are unstoppable at this point. It's simply unfolding now. I can tell you there will be riots in the streets. There will be civil disobedience. And violence will fill our land. People will steal and rob and kill. And then what happens when the food prices begin to skyrocket? I'm being very honest with you today. America is on a collision course with God. Evil men and women are establishing what will destroy this nation and Tear it to bits. This whole movement of Black Lives Matter is a sin against God. All lives matter to God. If black lives truly mattered, why are they not concerned with the young black men and women in Chicago who are being murdered more and more as the days go by, but not a word is said about that. No, instead, everything is set against the police on one side and Black Lives Matter on the other and the demands for reparations. Can I be honest with you? Every people have at some point been enslaved by other people. Talk to the Irish about their enslavement and their servitude on sugarcane plantations. That may come as a shock to you. I'm part Irish. Now, please understand what I'm saying. Every possible Division and separation is being made between black, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian. But in Jesus Christ, all lives matter. In Jesus Christ, every person is called to be a servant of the Most High God. 
Every man, regardless of what his skin color is, is a son of the Most High God, to be treated with respect, to be cared for, to be watched out for. But our nation is being set up for racial strife, for economic strife, for violence, and already it fills the land. And then we have on top of that radical Islam, ISIS, I believe funded by weapons that Hillary Clinton sent through Benghazi into Syria. Those were the men and women of ISIS that we armed to the teeth. I won't get into all of that today, but suffice it to say, all of the red lights are flashing, the sirens are sounding, we are on a collision course with destiny, with God himself. And the Western world is about to be destroyed if there is not a rapid turnaround and a humbling of our hearts and repentance and kneeling before Almighty God and confessing our sins. This is the same kind of thing that was happening in the day of Enoch. But Enoch was found to be pleasing to God. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the focus is always on the rhema word. And the rhema word of God, I have shared with you. But I'm going to continue saying it until you have it solidly in your spirit. The rhema, the breath of God, the word spoken by God, is a revelation of the divine will. It is a call to courage. It is a call to the fight against violence and darkness. It is a call of the gospel. It is the revelation of God to us to put something back into harmony with the will of God. We do that by love, by courageously standing our ground in the face of evil, by refusing to participate in it, being open to scorn, being open to every kind of molestation. We will stand for what is holy before God and stand by faith that he will bring a change. That's why this broadcast comes day after day, crying out for repentance and holiness and sharing with you the word of God. So this rhema word of God comes and we learned in Romans ten seventeen that it takes this rhema word of God to bring forth true biblical faith. Now let me read for you. We understand the ages to have been put right by faith in a rhema from God. 
so that the things being seen have not happened out of things being visible. In other words, as we stand by faith on the word of God to us, he is going to set right what has turned to corruption. And then he begins sharing with us the heroes of faith. And the first one we spoke of yesterday was Abel, who is spoken of simply because he set heaven to talking by the generosity of his gift to God. By his gift, by the way he divided what he owned, giving God the largest portion. You can set heaven to talking today by doing what Romans 12, 1 and 2 say, to offer your body as a living sacrifice on the altar of burnt offering, where all that you have and all that you are, you give over to Jesus Christ, and you no longer reserve for yourself the right to be your own person, but instead you totally belong to Jesus Christ. By faith, verse 5, Enoch was translated so as not to see death. And he was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had been declared to have been well-pleasing to God. By faith, Enoch, a rhema word of God came to Enoch. It's interesting in the book of Enoch that he confronts the evil angels with their behavior. It was the evil angels, he says, who taught the women how to seduce the men by their makeup. He taught that the angels taught men the art of warfare and the building of weapons. That it was the wicked angels who taught men the technology necessary to build their cultures. Now, the Bible does not say much about that culture, but we would be wrong to assume that that culture prior to the flood was in any way a Stone Age backward culture. If you were to go to Egypt today, or if you had been able to see the paintings of ancient Iraq and Mesopotamia, you would find paintings prior to the flood with pictures of helicopters, with pictures of jet and propeller-driven aircraft. Now, how did that happen? These paintings were discovered long before any helicopter existed in the, in the modern history or before modern aircraft were able to fly 
Before the Wright brothers invented the aircraft, there were pictures of aircraft. How did that happen? It was a very sophisticated culture. Imagine today what would happen if a flood enveloped the world and only one family survived. Would they know how to rebuild computers? No, of course not. Would they know how to build aircraft? No. All of the technology would be totally lost. And we would be back to a Stone Age existence where we would have to rest with our own hands a livelihood from the soil and we would become an agrarian culture. It is only out of the prophecy of Daniel that knowledge would increase at the end of time that suddenly we see a complete explosion of of inventions one right after another. And knowledge today is increasing at such a rapid pace. And with the increase of knowledge has come an increase of utter corruption, of total violence, of the satisfying of every possible desire for evil that exists in the heart of man. And look at the modern movies. We see depicted every vile and wicked thing, increasingly vile to the point that a man or woman of God dare not enter even a theater, lest their eyes be filled with the filth, the vileness, the corruption of this world. How to remain untouched by the wickedness that is vomiting out of the earth and pouring out in every direction and everything it touches, it turns into complete destruction. That's what's happening today. Enoch, in the midst of all of this vileness, in the midst of these wicked angels, in the midst of all of this that so grieved his heart that in mercy and kindness, God finally said, look, you belong with me, not here. And he removed him from the earth. By faith, Enoch was translated so as to not see death. It was not found because God translated him before his translation. He had been declared to have been well-pleasing to God. Now this very key verse, now without faith, it is impossible to be well-pleasing to him. It is necessary for the one coming to God to believe that he is, and to the one seeking him, He becomes a rewarder. In other words, if you want to interact with this living God, if you want to escape this corruption that is in the world, you are going to have to hear the rhema word of God. 
Now the cry of my heart is that I come and speak these things to you and that you not be so seared by the internet that your mind not be so seared by the fast-moving, flickering screen of corruption in our culture, that you not be so self-possessed, so filled with pride and arrogance, that you would humble your heart before God and acknowledge that he exists and acknowledge the word he speaks to your heart. If I come and speak this word to you, and there is no action on your part, you have either not heard the rhema word in what I have spoken to you, or you are so far gone that your case is hopeless if God does not come and spectate spectacularly intervene in your life and confront you and cause your soul to become sick of your wicked life. I know many of you have found a comfortable place to walk in your sin and still go to a religious gathering called a church and enjoy the social comfort of others who are sinning Christians like you are, and a pastor who says, I sin every day against God, and we're all sinners, but we're all forgiven, so we're all okay. You've become so comfortable in the midst of that corruption that you wave off the rhema word of God that calls you to repent. You wave it off and you say, Pastor, you're being too extreme. No, if you simply read the word of God, you will say that I'm not even beginning to be adequate to describe the desperate concern of God's heart for you. He died for you. He loves you. And if you want to be well-pleasing to him, you're going to have to hear his rhema word and then begin to act by faith on that word to allow his blood to wash you and cleanse you and break the power of darkness from your heart and heal your seared mind that is almost totally incapable of hearing the warning that I speak to you today. America is crashing. America is being ripped apart by wicked men and women who have their own personal agendas. America is facing destruction. We have very little time left. And if you slumber, you will be destroyed with America. The Broadway 
is lined with great evangelical churches. The Broadway is lined with many men who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And then if you listen, as I did to the pastor, the Methodist pastor, who who made the invocation for the Democratic Party as they gathered in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, as they gathered and this pastor stood with uplifted hands to pray to the God of many names. What? The God of many names? Is that how we address God today? Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. We are directed to pray to our Father because we are his children. We are directed to pray to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by whom we enter into the presence of our Father. There is no other way to enter into the presence of our Father except by the name of Jesus. We do not pray to an all-inclusive God We do not pray to Allah or the female goddess. We pray to our Father. We pray to Jesus, and in his name we pray in the name of Jesus. Let's be clear. All paths lead to the same place. They lead to the judgment bar of God. And at the judgment bar of God, only those who come in the name of Jesus Christ will find their way into that great celestial city that Bunyan speaks so eloquently of. This pastor breaks my heart to say so. It was so filled with arrogance and haughtiness that I was astonished he could remain on his feet. I'm greatly troubled by the direction of the Methodist Church. I preach old-fashioned Methodism, Wesleyanism. And I am grieved beyond words by the Methodist Church as they vote a lesbian bishop in in the western part of the United States. If you're a Methodist, I urge you to run or separate. There needs to come a great division in the Methodist Church, even as there did between the Episcopal and the Anglican Church. For many of the Methodist Church have utterly denied Jesus Christ 
They have shamed his name as this pastor did. It's time to no longer be tolerant or inclusive, but to call sin by its name, to call terrorism by its appropriate name, to identify the enemies of the cross. There is a war on. There is a war against the Christian faith. And there are those in the Christian faith who are at war with Christianity and are traitors to the faith. They are treasonous. And they will be removed by Jesus Christ. The lamp of his presence is removed from their churches. And they're now dry bones simply moving in social power. I hope you hear the cry of my heart today as I read this 11th chapter of Hebrews. And I read that without faith, that is without the honest rhema word of God that arouses a faith that will stand, it is impossible to be pleasing to him. It's necessary to believe that he is. That is, he's real. He is righteous. He is holy. And he is going to come with great judgment upon this earth. He will reward those either unto damnation or unto life, depending on what they have done with his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to open the phone lines. We have a few minutes left in this broadcast. If you'd like to share, or if you'd like me to pray with you, if you recognize that you're involved in such sin, and you've been so casual, and today you're saying, oh God, I've got to be pleasing to you, then call and let me pray with you. Our phone number here in studio is 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I am deeply concerned, and I am totally unwilling to be inclusive. I am totally unwilling to include violence and vileness in the body of Jesus Christ. We are to come out from among them and be separate. We are called to be a pure and clean people, washed by the blood of Jesus, not by works, but by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, to be transformed, to be made into new creatures in Christ. If that's the cry of your heart and you need to call and say, Pastor, pray for me. If you're under conviction, then call right now, 877 Five three four zero seven eight zero. We have time to take maybe one call. The phone lines are open. Now, while I'm waiting and finishing up today, many of you, I encourage to actually come to the National Prayer Chapel and experience the sharing, the intimacy, the confrontation with sin the teaching of righteousness, the fellowship that is not casual and laid back. 
I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. (laughs) We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. We rent from them. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. That's All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Now you're also invited to participate with me in this broadcast. Right now we're just on the AM side of the dial. We need to be national. But that's going to take a great deal of resource. I'm trusting Jesus not only to keep us on the air on this small AM side, but to bring us into the FM and to bring us finally nationally. There is a warning that must be given to America. There are some of you who have great financial resources. Now's the time to use those to bring forward a warning to America. If you'd like to give, please send your tithe or your offering or your investment to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I invite you also, in the last minutes of this broadcast, to know that you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to this message. Again, it will be posted by this evening. You can see the video. It will be very quickly put up on YouTube. We have many other resources, and they're all free for you. We want the gospel of Jesus to go forth. So go to our webpage, subscribe. You can even have it come to your iPhone or your Android. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. You can listen to it in many different venues. Don't miss what God is doing. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that the sound of this message comes as a contradiction a strange sound to the ears of Americans. But Lord, I know it is your heart and your word to us that the warning is being given. Lord, I pray that your people will lay down their casual American life long enough to awaken in your presence and say, I must humble my heart and put away my bitterness and my anger. I must lay aside my defense. I must lay aside the vileness that I've been playing with, and I must get right with Jesus. Lord, would you come in revival power and bring deep conviction to the heart of your people? 
Lord, I know that my words have nothing. I know it is only your rhema word. Lord, would you breathe through this broadcast your rhema word, and would you bring conviction to the hearts of men and women and turn them from every wicked way? Lord, I praise you and I worship you and I honor your name today. And I recognize that only you can save your people. And I plead your blood over every person listening right now. I'm asking for healing and restoration in their health, in their finances, in their life that they would acknowledge that you exist, that they would take the rhema word and turn and read the word and search after you with all of their heart, and that you would reward them with your presence. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray you're making progress in this journey, that this word, though sharp, would not be offensive to your heart, but instead you would submit to the Holy Spirit and you would do exactly what he tells you to do, that the rhema word of God would stir up faith in your heart. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you, my brother. My sister, I'll talk to you soon.